presidential race will be over soon. The race for Queensborough president, that is. I'm Jarrett Murphy from CityLimits.org. And this is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette. Jarrett, good to see you. How you doing? I'm doing well. Good. You're sounding better, and that's good. I'm doing I'm doing mildly better, uh, but I'm, I'm excited about both... Um, a lot of things happening in the political world, the presidential race, the U.S. presidential race, the primary for the Democratic nomination. And then, of course, the subject for a good chunk of today's show, which will be the race for Queensboro president, a special election. Uh, now, if you're listening and you live in Queens, this is especially pertinent to you. And we will be dedicating a good chunk of the show today to the special election for Queensboro president. Early voting starts this Saturday and election day is March 24th. So it's upon us. If you don't live in Queens, this is also important to you. First of all, we have a little bit of the show at the top here on other matters, but also the Queensboro president, you know, borough presidencies are important positions in certain ways. We'll get into that later. They're largely ceremonial in other ways, but they're also, they've been springboards. David Dinkins was Manhattan Borough president and became mayor. Um, you know, we've seen other people ascend their important positions. They have influence around the city. So this is not just a show for Queens residents, but especially for Queens residents. Certainly. If Queens were an independent city, it would be, I think, the fifth largest in the country. It's bigger than Houston with 2.3 million people or so. And one of the things that we see a lot in our reporting at City Limits and, and you at Gotham Gazette, too, I'm sure, is that the boroughs really are very interconnected, especially when it comes to things like housing and obviously economic development. So at one point recently, the Bronx, or not so recently, I guess, the Bronx poached uh, Fresh Direct mm -hmm. from Queens mm -hmm. to, to the Bronx. Uh, obviously, last year we had the controversy over Amazon, which was going to be a Queens project, but obviously potentially an effect on the whole city. And we've certainly seen over the years in a lot of different contexts and with a lot of nuance, the discussion about development shaping life in other boroughs. Staten Island during the Bloomberg administration largely downzoned, very much at the behest of local leaders to reduce density. That then constricts the amount of development and population Staten Island can absorb. And if the city is growing, that would, by at least simple math, suggest the other boroughs have to absorb that. So Definitely a stepping stone for being mayor, uh, a very big, potentially a big player on the stage. The current borough president or the last borough president of Queens is now a district attorney, which means if past practice is an indication, Melinda Katz is likely to be in the news for the next 35 or 40 years. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, yeah, something very significant, I think, for, for everyone. I will also say, uh, as someone who was, well, I was born in Manhattan, but born and raised, so to speak, in Queens, uh, that this is an important subject matter, uh, at heart for me, a family in Queens. If you're listening from Queens, start texting other people who live in Queens and tell them to tune in because this is very important to be ready to vote here in the Queensboro's, uh, president special election with early voting starting on Saturday and then election day on March 24th. So we're going to be joined in a few minutes by two Queens, uh, journalists who have been focusing on the race, David Brand of the Queen's Daily Eagle and Christine Chung of The City, a news site. Um, and they'll break down for us the candidates and the issues in the race and what to watch for. I'll just say again at the top here, any registered voter in Queens can participate in this. It's a wide open election. This is not a primary. So this is not about party registration. If you're a registered voter in Queens, and I believe you might even have a few days still to register to vote in this special election. Uh, this election is important to you and you can vote in it. And, uh, and so you should, should tune in.
So we're going to segue to discussion of this Queensboro president special election soon. We've got two great guests joining us in a couple minutes. Special election for Queensboro president, which is coming up. It is due to the fact that the position was vacated by Melinda Katz after she was elected district attorney of Queens. And we now have a special election that will take place March 24th with a lead up of early voting starting this Saturday, suite of candidates uh, and a discussion today to help folks in Queens and around the city know what's going on and be prepared for that. And so to discuss that race, to break it down, its candidates, its implications, we're joined and we're very pleased to be joined by two great journalists, David Brand, who is the managing editor of the Queens Daily Eagle, and Christine Chung, of the Queens, who is the Queens reporter for the city. David and Christine, welcome to Max and Murphy. Thanks for having us. Jared, I got to say, Amazing segue on that fundraising. Uh, Thank you. Pitch. Thank you very much. I, I practiced that in front of the mirror all week, so I'm glad and was it was so showtime. I'm, I'm, I'm hosting a show on WBAI now, Sundays at 6 p.m. City Watch. So listening to you guys has been uh, very helpful, learning from, learning from the math. And learning how to get a plug-in right there up the that top. That was pretty deft, yeah. All right, we're, we're, we're muting you for a few minutes here. Let's talk uh, to Christine. Uh, well, actually, no, starting with Christine, since David already uh, praised us, I'm going to give her a chance well to now. Yes. Um, so I guess first and foremost, I mean, among, among everything that's going on, and especially it being a special election, do you feel the people of Queens, the voters of Queens, know this race is, is going on? Is there at least the expected level of awareness uh, you would have projected? Mm-hmm. I think that there is awareness of this race. Obviously, there's been a lot of lead up to this with the DA race and Melinda Katz. Everyone knows that she's no longer the VP, right? Um, and there have been countless forums already to this point. Um, but I do think that the recent concerns with the coronavirus is not going to really help matters when it comes to early voting and also the special election in a matter of weeks. Um, so I think even though there is substantial awareness of this race, I am curious as to what it's going to do to turn out. Have either of you seen candidates out on the stump? Are they shaking hands? Are they not shaking hands? Are people approaching them? Does it seem like even more than usual? You know, people are running right by them at the subway stops. Right. Um, I haven't seen this uh-huh. um, in person this week yet, but I have heard from campaigns today that they really are feeling a little bit anxious about what's about to come, that they are trying to canvas to get the word out. And obviously, they're already circulating petitions Excuse me, to get on the primary ballot. Um, and, and apparently it's, it's turning out to be a little bit of a challenge and obstacle. David, what have, have yeah, you well, seen anything? Yeah. I, I, I've seen just, I haven't seen anybody in person, but just on social media, uh, like Donovan Richards was out by subway stations, uh, canvassing. They are, they're shaking hands with each other, seeing that <laughs> forum. Um, but it's kind of interesting because they're right now, there's a push among, uh, candidates to, to get the governor to change the petitioning rules to require fewer signatures. And so, you know, there's there's like uh, more insurgent candidates who kind of started that push, but some of the county party establishment aligned candidates are also starting to get behind that. So mm-hmm. more of an effort, definitely, because what I'm hearing is people don't want to share pens. They are asking for hand sanitizer uh, after they use someone else's pen to sign in. They're just totally, they're like scurrying by Interesting. The, uh, the, the people getting petition signatures. And just to be clear for folks, you know, the ballot for this special election is set. This is much more about uh, other elections coming up this year. 
in the way that special elections work. Also in New York, there's a special election here that's nonpartisan. Every registered voter in Queens can participate. But then very quickly, there's a June primary and then a November general election that could, you know, shake up the whole future of who's going to be the Queensboro president. This special election is really just for filling out the rest of this year. And then the winner of the June primary and November general election will um, take take the rest of the, the term. Correct. The remaining year. It was interesting. There was a forum uh, the other day at Queens College, and one of the moderators, Jeff Colton from City and State, asked the candidates if they don't win the March 24th special, will they also run in the primary? And there were four candidates there at the time, and they all said that they would, except for Jim Quinn. He said he wasn't sure yet. Let me just list uh, the candidates for people real quick, and then we can talk about them and, and what differentiates them. So we've got uh, current city council members Donovan Richards and Costa Constantinides. We've got former city council member Elizabeth Crowley. We have Jim Quinn, Dow Yin, and Anthony Miranda. City council member Jimmy Van Bramer will be on the ballot, but he's dropped out of the race. Let's set it up a little bit for folks who might not be steeped in this as much as as you all are and, and maybe we are. Obviously, it's always good to be president. Uh, I was senior class president, and so I get mm-hmm. to I get to organize every reunion until I suppose I go to the big reunion in the sky. But to be <laughs> borough president, what does that what does that mean when you explain this to your to your voters in terms of what the stakes, what the implications of the race are? What does that mean in terms of real power, and what are the other kind of soft powers or uh, intrinsic values of the job? Why are so many folks, including some, you know, accomplished local leaders, uh, running for this? I feel like it's because they're the, basically a cheerleader for the borough, but it's a position that has enormous community influence, right? VPs um, appoint community board members. They appoint a member to the city planning commission, and that way they can wield enormous influence and in land use issues in the city. Um, but that being said, obviously they don't have the power to legislate, make law. Um, so that, in terms of the tangible things they can do, um, it is limited, and I feel like it's more about being the community's advocate, Queens' advocate, and then it seems like it is oftentimes a position that kind of springboards you to the next thing. We've seen a lot of Manhattan BPs especially go for mayor and other positions successfully. Um, so I think it's a, a long-term, long-term vision game kind of thing for a lot of experienced politicians. Yeah, I think of it as like three nuts and bolts functions, and that's like Christine said, making community board appointments, uh, making rec- uh, making advisory recommendations on land use issues, and then wielding a pretty significant uh, capital budget and discretionary budget. But aside from that, like you hear from a lot of the candidates with pretty lofty visions for Queens and talking about issues that they have no direct control over, uh, whether that's criminal transit. Justice. Yeah, criminal justice. You hear a lot about bail reform from former Queens prosecutor uh, Jim Quinn, a big opponent of that. But... You know, some some of the candidates, including Quinn and Anthony Miranda, a retired police sergeant, they straight up say this is a mostly ceremonial position. Uh, this is a bully pulpit. We can hold public hearings. We can keep certain issues uh, in the public eye. And so, like we both mentioned for Quinn, that would be uh, railing against criminal justice reforms and the plan to close Rikers and build a jail in Queens. 
So it's a long list of candidates. Ben uh, already uh, read, read it off, and we've mentioned a few names already. But let's go down the list just for listeners maybe who are in Queens, and this is their introduction to the race. Um, and, and we'll kind of bounce back and forth and talk about a quick introduction of who they are and, and kind of what they've been emphasizing in their campaigning. Uh, David, maybe you could start. Donovan Richards, what, what has his approach been? He he has uh, he's says his focus is affordable housing for the borough. He has the support of the Queens County organization, uh, and a lot of elected officials have endorsed him, especially elected officials in Southeast Queens. Um, he's you know I think started out the race as one of the very top front runners. Uh, I think you know it's, I think it's a wide open race right now, but he definitely has a lot of that establishment support and has broad appeal in southeast queens where most of the voters are black he's a council member in southeast queens he's done a lot of work uh you know with with kind of bridging the gap between public and private sectors when it comes to building housing um so i think i think he is less associated with one specific issue as some of the other candidates are and he has kind of focused on a few and in addition to housing it's also public safety and keeping an eye on the police department and his role is in the council is uh chair of the committee on public safety so he oversees hearings and he oversees the police department and he holds hearings where he really takes takes the top officials in the department to task christine uh, at the other end of queens uh as a sitting city council member is uh, costa constantinides what has his campaign been uh, been focused on um, the council member is definitely very focused on climate change. Um, he has a he saying on his campaign platform that he wants to solarize every city building in Queens. He wants to create 50,000 green jobs. Um, housing and schools are also a big priority for him as well. I would say that climate change has kind of emerged as an important issue in this race. Donovan Richards also has been talking about it a fair amount. Um, and he also has support of some, some unions. I think RWDSU supports him, um, CWA Local, and a couple council members um, like Helen Rosenthal, Ben Kalos, and I'm sure I'm missing many others. And he has interesting support, too, from uh, state senators Mike Janaris and Jessica Ramos, who, you know, have pretty significant followings. I thought it was very interesting that, you know, they both jumped in behind him um, politically. A lot of clout. And- yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. In Western Queens, um, and I think it's interesting because obviously his support um, and his base would have kind of been a little bit of a Venn diagram, right, with Jimmy Van Bramer. But now that Van Bramer has dropped out of the race, I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, it seems to me like Van Bramer was starting to rack up some of these endorsements that Constantinides mm-hmm. wound up getting, and that you know Constantinides really benefited a lot from uh, Van Bramer's departure from the race. Christine Elizabeth Crowley, who was uh, obviously has a, a famous political name and uh, was a city council member for a number of years, lost a race in 2017. Uh, what has her approach to the campaign been? Um, she does not like being very much associated with her cousin, although that's inescapable, I think, just in essence. Um, she has been making transportation a big focus, I think. She's been campaigning on improving transit rail access. She's also has a little bit of a climate agenda, carbon neutral by 2030, um, has talked a lot. I think her campaign slogan might be like, get Queens its fair share, something to that effect. Um, And I think she's been talking a little bit about getting a fair property tax assessment for, for homeowners in Queens. 
Um, and in terms of endorsements, sorry, just very quickly, um, she has District Council 9, the Police Benevolent Association, which is interesting, and then organizations that are grassroots, like the New American Voters Alliance. So David uh, spoke earlier a little bit about uh, Jim Quinn and Anthony Miranda, their backgrounds and, and what their message has been. But tell us about... Dao Yin. I have to say, I've been covering city politics for the better part of 20 years. A lot of special elections where people have to come up with their own party name. Um, to this point, the best party name has been the rent is too damn high. But I have to say, Red Dragon, which is Dao Yin's party name, might be the most awesome I've ever encountered. Uh, what is uh, Dao Yin's take on the campaign? What uh, issues have they, have he, has he been uh, emphasizing? Yeah, that's a that's a party name you can get embroidered on like a leather jacket. That's pretty cool. Totally. Uh, he so he's a a flushing business person, and uh, you know his his big issues are just related to jobs. He's a big he was a big supporter of the Amazon plan, and so there was a forum hosted by the Queens Chamber of Commerce, and that obviously came up in a, a room full of uh, people in the business community, and he said that he would have fl- flown to Seattle and begged Jeff Bezos to come back to Queens, um, and his goal would be recruiting Amazon's competitors and recruiting other corporate behemoths to set up shop in uh, in Queens. He, yeah, he He's kind of had a lower profile, at least uh, when it comes to a lot of these forums. He hasn't been showing up. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think he has much of a, a communications team, so I think that might be an issue of these uh, organizers trying to reach out to him. But... You know, if you look at his voter guide, it talks about improving housing. Uh, he's also into transportation, but I think business and easing business in Queens is his, his top priority. Christine, is Amazon an issue in the campaign? Have people been forced to talk about uh, what they felt about that deal and, and what they would have done to to amend or end it? And, and if so, where have the candidates come down? I have not been to every forum. Obviously, there's a ton. I'm moderating one tonight. Just want to tap that really quickly. And where and when um, is that for, for listeners? Yeah, thank you. It's at 7 at the Plaxville Art Gallery in Long Island City, um, a transportation-focused forum. Um, but, yeah, sorry, to, to your question, um, Amazon, I don't think, has emerged as a big issue in this race. And I do think that part of that is because Jimmy Van Bramer's recent exit. Um, he was talking a lot about Amazon and um, taking various council members and other candidates to task who have supported the Amazon deal, such as Donovan and Richards. Um, and since then, so for the past few weeks, I feel like it has not really been a key issue in this race. Um, what do you think, David? Yeah, I agree. I think I, I would have expected it to be coming up more often. I mean, it's definitely there's a shadow of the Amazon deal on a lot of uh, conversations around development, and so there's a rezoning uh, decision coming up for a piece of the Flushing Creek waterfront, and so mm-hmm. uh, Shades of Amazon and that, or even when you talk about the Sunnyside Yards mega project to deck over a uh, uh, train yard in Sunnyside and add like a whole new city, a la Hudson Yards there. But yeah, I guess the, the, where I saw it the, the most was at that Queens Chamber of Commerce forum, and I re- ended up writing a story about it, uh, and I use the headline. Queens Queensborough President candidates mourn Amazon at business forum because many of the candidates there, aside from Costa Constantinidis, who kind of kept a low profile, uh, while some of his other Western Queens politicians really railed against Amazon project, he was he kept a little bit of a lower profile. He he's a, he was an opponent of the plan, but like Elizabeth Crowley, Donovan Richards were cheerleaders of that plan and really. Uh, 
say they are upset that it fell through. And then, like I mentioned, Dao Yin, huge cheerleader. Uh, Jim Quinn also thought it would have been good for business. He's a real he's he's, he's running a very conservative, business oriented campaign. Um, Anthony Miranda, he was against that proposal. Anything yeah. more talk on? Sorry to interrupt. No, more go ahead. talk on like curbing luxury development. I think in this race, a lot of candidates have been talking about that more affordable housing, but less so like an overt referendum on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Is my take. I want to come back to housing in a second, but uh, I don't want to give short shrift to either Jim Quinn or Anthony Miranda. Either of you want to jump in with just any other thoughts on either of them and their, you know, sort of their backgrounds, their campaigns. Uh, David, you mentioned a couple quick things on each of them, but anything else either of you want to mention on Jim Quinn, a prosecutor, longtime prosecutor who's running on a, as you said, uh, sort of more conservative campaign around uh, business and certainly public safety and Anthony Miranda? Quinn, definitely, he's like pretty much a single-issue candidate, and that issue is criminal justice and uh, tough, being tough on crime. And so mm-hmm. you would have no real power over uh, changing the state bail law or on uh, keeping Rikers Island open, but he would intend to make that an issue that remains in the spotlight. Um, he also said he would vote for Trump, which separates him from the other candidates for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Miranda, I think Miranda has really positioned himself as like the outsider candidate. And Christine mentioned conversations around uh, being opposed to luxury development, and that has been a big issue for him. Um, he, I don't know if I would classify him as an outsider. I mean, he's run, he's, he's run for office before. He's pretty involved in Hiram Montserrat, East Elmhurst Democratic Club. They're good friends. He's part of kind of like a an alternative slate of candidates who are petitioning together and they're all members of that same club. So while he hasn't served in elected office, he's kind of been on the periphery for a while, but uh, he's definitely framed himself as like the outsider. For Is the last, the, the last elected borough president now, the district attorney, Linda Katz, is she a point of reference in the race, her legacy, her approach, people distinguishing themselves? How would you characterize her legacy? Christine, is that is that something people are uh, cognizant of and talking about at all? I don't think that she's emerged as a talking point in this race or as a comparison, um, potentially because she's already jumped into a new position as opposed to just retiring, right, slowly fading out because her term is over. Um I don't really think that um, candidates are comparing themselves to her or uh, taking her to task for successes or missteps. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so coming back to one of the the key issues that, as we've said, a borough president does actually have, you know, sort of a charter mandated voice on, um, even though its advisory is land use, and that of course relates to development and housing. Um, you've spoken a little bit about some of the candidates sort of staking out some positions on that, whether it's with Amazon or, quote unquote, luxury development, uh, affordable housing. Have we seen any any clear fault lines around, you know, sort of philosophies and approaches to land use matters? You know, the, the Sunnyside Yard proposal that just came out obviously is a is a really good sort of talking point litmus test for this race, perhaps. Um, do either of you know if the borough president candidates have, have staked out positions on that mega proposal? And, you know, obviously in some ways 
that's a little bit of an outlier, just like the Amazon deal. That's not really what most proposals look like to redevelop areas or to build new housing that has some affordability in it. But um, have we seen fault lines around housing development, uh, the Sunnyside Yard proposal that just came out, any of those topics? I Go ahead, Christine. Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I think the flushing waterfront rezoning has been more of a recent topic of conversation, and that might just be partly because it's in the near future, right? Whereas the Sunnyside Yards plan is something we're looking at that is decades away. Um, and like you said, the DP has an advisory recommendation, um, and Sharon Lee, who is the current acting borough president, will cast her vote. I think she has to do it by tomorrow, actually. Um, not her vote, her recommendation. Um, and so that's a hugely important issue in Flushing right now and, and in Queens for a lot of people who are watching luxury development um, in the wake of things like Amazon. Um, and then several candidates have spoken up about it. I think Costa Constantinidis may have uh, said he was against it. I don't remember exactly, though. So a few of the candidates have, at least according to the last check by the city's campaign finance board, a fair amount of money to spend uh, at Liz Crowley with something like 800000 bucks in the bank, uh, Donovan Richards with uh, 460 others uh, less than that. Do you think that you know, money is going to be a factor uh, coming down the stretch? Uh, and if so, if so uh, what role do you think it will have? I think it will because they're starting to air television commercials. Uh, Elizabeth Crowley has a commercial. Costa Constantinidis has a commercial. So I think that's definitely getting the getting the message out a little. Like even when my wife was watching television the other day, the, the Crowley commercial came on. Yeah, interesting. Uh, so, Christine, I mean, break it down for us. Do you have a sense? This is obviously a, a special election. Um, there probably hasn't been very much uh, uh, polling at all, certainly very little public polling, if any. Do you have a sense of kind of what the shape of the race is? Is it a free-for-all? Is it someone's race to lose? Are there you know tiers of candidates? How would you characterize sort of the contours of the race as it stands a, a few weeks out? I think, according to a lot of consultants, um, Donovan Richards, Elizabeth Crowley, Costa, Constantinides are maybe emerging as the front runners in this race. It is obviously kind of crowded. There are six candidates, and like you mentioned previously, Jimmy Van Bramer will appear on the ballot, which could be a little bit confusing for some voters who maybe haven't been reading, um, you know, every day about what's going on in the beep race. Um, but I do think that. It is a tough one just because of what's happening right now. Uh, historically, with special elections, turnout has been very low. I think for the special election last year for uh, public advocate, it was something like 9% turnout. Um, and even for the Queens Democratic, um, sorry, the Queens District Attorney Democratic primary, it was something like 11%, which is not high. And now we're dealing with, uh, you know, the coronavirus, the fact that people don't really come out for special elections in general. Um, so I think that these could be confounding variables and um, what is already kind of a difficult and unexpected race. Go ahead, jump in there, David. Hey, Christine mentioned the uh, the special election for public advocate. There were more candidates. There's six, seven people on the ballot. Then there was like more than a dozen. But Eric Ulrich, Republican council member from Queens, won uh, Queens in that public advocate race. And so it shows that uh, low turnout uh but maybe a relatively high turnaround among conservative voters could push a more conservative candidate over the edge in the right circumstances. So it, I think I think it is wide open, I, but 
it's be interesting to see like how someone like Jim Quinn does, who is really trying to appeal to conservative Queens, maybe pick off some disillusioned Democrats, um, and if he could get a significant percentage of Queens voters. But you know, I don't know. I, that's just one one possible theory. I, I, I think I think the front runners are Richards and Crowley and Costigan Santanitas is uh, maybe like second tier interesting but, uh, that's interesting you know, that's just my instinct yeah so potentially i think it's interesting second amount second most amount of money though and i think that's considerable mm-hmm. yeah it's just the, okay it's interesting to me the, like the the real far left progressives in queens are mostly staying out of the race mm-hmm. i think um no, so that, here. Yeah, that's what that's what I was just yeah. that's what I was just going to ask about. I mean, potentially two of the two of the big vote movers uh, in terms of endorsements here would be Alexandria Ocasio Cortez and Tiffany Caban, and I believe they both stayed out of the race so far. Correct? Yeah, right. nothing from them yet. Yeah. Do you have? Do either of you have a sense that some of the activism and the organizing that went into the DA race um, that has gone into other recent races is anywhere apparent in this race. I mean, there are a lot of endorsements that have been made, but do we, do we have a sense that unions, uh, labor unions and political clubs are like really, you know, working the phones and knocking doors or having this amid a presidential primary and other things, obviously adding in the coronavirus. Um, how quiet is it? I mean, I you know, I, I worry certainly that this will be a very low turnout election, but do you have a sense that these groups are, are working the phones and the doors? I get a sense that they're not. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm, I'm not totally sure. But uh, people who support different candidates have told me that, like some people supporting one candidate think, oh, I expect this candidate to win, but the other candidate I win because we're not getting our we're not getting so much energy like when it would like get out the vote efforts and then people supporting another candidate saying the same thing about their candidate. So that kind of suggests to me that no one is really getting too activated in this race. As a last question for me and Ben might have another one. I'm curious, just kind of pulling back a bit to talk about uh, the process and, and you guys cover Queens daily and you're also covering this election. So you're in a perfect position to weigh in with your analysis of this, that people have talked in the past about the special election mechanism. And the fact, as Ben mentioned earlier, we're going to have a special election now and then maybe a primary in June and then definitely a general in November. Um, whether it is uh, an adequate mechanism, whether it makes sense to basically probably have a very low turnout election, decide who's going to be the incumbent um, versus allowing uh, an interim person uh, who is unelected to continue to be borough president and and make major decisions that affect the borough. Uh, through the course of covering this campaign, have you guys formed an opinion about whether special elections make sense, whether there's a better way to do them, whether they're a necessary evil? What's your what's your take on that? I'll start with you, David. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's good because it's, it's fun to cover them. So I, guess, <laughs> I was going to say, you're, you're asking a couple journalists here to, to weigh in on uh, political matters. Uh, hey, get this on the radio, Jarrett. So <laughs> uh, but no, I don't know. It's, it is kind of ridiculous. And I think, so there's this special election, okay, and then there's a primary in June. Then you look in, in Assembly District 38, where there's going to be another special election. So in the span of three months, they're going to the polls March 24th. April 28th, and then for the broader state primaries on June 23rd. And so that's three times within three months. It seems a little ridiculous. 
it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money in matching funds from the city that candidates are receiving. So, yeah, I would imagine there's a more efficient way to do this, but it's kind of hard to shake up the status quo, I guess. Any thoughts on that process, Christine? Any, I mean, have you noticed any sort of fatigue among voters or activists or the candidates and campaigns themselves? Uh, you know, why are we out here doing this uh, when we could have, you know, this this could be combined with uh, April or June? I haven't heard that sentiment from voters, but I do think that asking candidates and voters to head to the polls literally five times in two years, right, to not only be the temporary BP uh, and then fill out Melinda Katz's remaining year in her term and then succeed. Katz's BP is like a, a big ask. Hmm. Um, and also it is, a like David mentioned, a substantial financial um, burden for taxpayers. Um, I think some, the PA special cost something like $23 million dollars. The city has already given out $2 million in matching funds for three candidates, I believe, Crowley, Costa, and Donovan, and there will be more money that goes out um, after this Friday's disclosure. Um, it's a lot, and it's definitely, this is just the beginning, right? Um, candidates are, as this early voting now begins on Saturday, candidates are petitioning to get on the primary ballot, so it's just a lot uh, that is going to unfold over the next year. We'll be watching it closely and hopefully having you guys back on to talk about it. But it's been a pleasure to speak with Christine, Christine Chung, the Queen's reporter for the city, and David Brand, managing editor of the Queen's Daily Eagle. Good luck, guys, covering the rest of the race. Thank you. If I could just make one fact check. I said sure. 8038. I meant 8031. Southeast Queens. I was just but about to burn him. Well, well oh, done. Well okay. done. Okay. <laughs> thank you, David. We thank like you that very... commitment to accuracy. Thank <laughs> you. Much. Thank you both. Thank you. And just to add to that point, Please. I mean, I th- and you know more about these mechanics than I do, but I think if one of the sitting city council members were to win this special election, they take office pretty quickly, right? Yes. And then they would vacate their city council seat, and so there would probably need to be another special election Within, there. Within, I believe it's 45 days now, yeah, right. or maybe it was extended to 60 by the recent charter amendment, although I have to check if that's gone into effect yet. Right. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, it's it's, it's a cascading it's thing like we saw with Katz winning where she wins and then there's a special election for her seat. And then we, of course, see sitting elected officials pursue higher office. So uh, if one of them wins, um, there'll be another special election in where we go, it's tough because you obviously want people represented in elected office by people who've been elected by their constituents. At the same time, it does strike me as silly. Um, you know, I don't know how long we'd want an interim uh, unelected mayor, but for every other office in the city, we can't stretch it out a little bit. You know, maybe it's a maybe it's a matter of there having to be. Um, you know, in certain offices, there is a uh, actually in some way sort of deputized person who's the person who takes over in the event of sickness, death uh, or higher office or resignation. You know, we've seen obviously resignations over time. We saw that in a city council seat in Brooklyn where Rafael Espinal uh, recently resigned from the city council to take a job uh, in, the, in the private sector. And uh, there's a special election for that city council seat. Thankfully, that was able to be scheduled on the April 28th uh, primary day. But voters out there may not know that anybody can go on on April 28th and vote in that city council election. So, you know, maybe there's a way to do this better where the deputy borough president or the top, you know, the first deputy borough president is is 
uh, in office for up to a year or something, you know, where the right. mayor has more flexibility. And there is there is actually a mechanism in the charter, I think, for uh, the comptroller and public advocate to do that. They designate kind of like their first deputy in the event of a vacancy that person takes over until a special election. And you could certainly do something similar. You difficulty with legislative offices in that regard because it's a different kind of power. But anyway, thank you to our guest this week for an excellent discussion of a very important race. And obviously, you know, whether turnout is high or low, it certainly has drawn an interesting collection of candidates and viewpoints. I mean, you can't say it's uh, it's boring in terms of, you know, everyone being uh, homogenous. Yeah, no, I mean, this is another good competitive election with s- serious candidates and a crowded field. And, you know, New Yorkers, I think, have been pretty lucky over the last several years to have a lot of um, candidates pursuing different positions, whether it's the public advocate special election. There was, a you know, obviously a really hotly contested Queens district attorney race that had really clear, distinct choices and voters, you know, is one of the closest races we've seen in a long time into a recount. And this is another good race. And hopefully people will pay attention. Hopefully we've helped those listening um, to get a little more clarity and you should read up more on the candidates and check them out and, uh, you know, do your due diligence before going to vote in Queens. Um, you know, I think one of the things we didn't get into, we talked a little bit about endorsements, but, you know, this is another very interesting test around the Queens Democratic establishment the new Queens uh, party boss, so to speak, is Representative Gregory Meeks. He's fully in behind Donovan Richards. Uh, you know, Richards to me is this really interesting candidate who, uh, in my estimation, you know, is a potential sort of bridge candidate for the progressive wing and the establishment wing because he's a pretty progressive elected official. But you know, of course, in the in the sort of democratic uh, milieu that we're in, anybody who's associated with the establishment is often branded as just the establishment. And people, you know, people on the left go looking for the the left candidate. And it looks like Costa Constantinides is filling that role. Um, and then Elizabeth Crowley's in the mix and others that make it a very complicated. It's not just a one on one situation. No, it's situational play out in March, June, November and in 2021 <laughs> as well. Yes. Obviously, a lot of groundwork being laid for that uh, symbolic. And practically, stay tuned with us for covering all of that. Stay tuned to WBAI tonight for a great evening of programming. You've been listening to Max and Murphy. We're on every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Join us next week. And until then, have a great week in the greatest city in the world. 